Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise the name of the Lord tonight. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Praise God. Thank the Lord tonight. Give honor to my pastor. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, be looking in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 11 through 14. Pastor told me a long time ago, he said, don't say things that are obvious, so I quit saying it's a very familiar verse of Scripture. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm glad to be in God's house tonight. <clears throat> give honor to all of you as well. One thing's for sure, when you got a good church, the preacher, he's got it made. So we got a good church. Hallelujah. All right, when you found it, say amen. <clears throat> Scripture said, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the, for, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. I'm going to talk for a few minutes. My title is going to be The Importance of Doctrine. If you would, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we love you tonight, God. We praise and magnify you, Lord. God, let your spirit set down upon us right now, Lord, so that we could do your will. We want your will to be done in this house today. God, bless the remainder of this services. Let there be power and demonstration, God, throughout the remainder. In the name of the Lord, we pray. Church said amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. In order to, to bring to full fruition verses 11 through 13, we must not depart from sound doctrine. If our five-fold ministry is to be effective in perfecting the saints, to bring about the servanthood that's involved in ministry. To edify, which means to build up the body of Christ. Ultimately, to fulfill Jesus' calling for us to be unified as one, which is accomplished by our complete understanding of who Jesus is, why he came, the understanding of the fact that he is and was and is to come, that he's the almighty God that was manifest in the flesh and to understand that, and to come into the fullness of the knowledge of that, and the unity of the body of Christ. That's what the Lord wants. And Barnes said, being a Christian, just as a child of God, as a saint of God, we should be docile and gentle, mild and free from ambition and pride and haughtiness. And Jesus laid it out. As plainly as you can lay it out, Matthew 18, 1 through 5. 
At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. But he gives a warning, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were tied about his neck, that he were drowned in the depths of the sea, and one version said, and that he would have never been born. Hallelujah. May it not once ever be named among us. Hallelujah. Oneness in the mind and love for truth and walking in truth, preferring one another, is the goal. It's day-to-day living. Prefer one another. What doth the Lord require of thee, man of God, woman of God, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly? Hallelujah. Put myself on an altar and make myself be humble. Oh, Lord, help me to humble myself because, God, I don't want you to have to humble me. Oh, Lord, help me to humble myself. My God. But when Paul talks about matters of doctrine, Paul instructs we aren't to be childish anymore. He warns, Paul warns in matters of doctrine and biblical truth. He exhorts the Ephesians to be no longer children, but urges them to put on the characteristics of manhood and womanhood, especially to put on the firmness in matters of doctrine. Hey, we grow up, we're children, we're childlike when we come to Jesus. And in our interactions with each other, we need to be childlike. And I didn't say childish, but we need to be childlike. We need to love the brethren. But when it comes to this doctrine, my Lord, we need to be firm. No, you're not. No, I bought the truth. He bought the truth. And he gave it to me, and I'm not going to sell it. No, it's not for sale tonight. When it comes to doctrine, we can't give it up. We can't do anything. We can't give one inch. From a historical viewpoint, Paul had first made contact with the Ephesians in Acts 18. In Acts 19, Paul had provided sound doctrine to the Ephesians, who were, mind you, believers in Christ. They were believers in Christ already. However, when he came into contact with them, he asked them a simple question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? In which they replied back. We've not even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And then he replied back to them again, How were you baptized? It does matter. The doctrine of salvation matters. The way that we start matters. If you start wrong, if you're a carpenter, or if you're involved in any kind of construction, Brother Glenn, if you start and the point of reference is wrong, it's going to be wrong all the way. you got to start right. Hallelujah. And you've got to keep it right. And you've got to finish it right. Doctrine matters. Hallelujah. He goes on. He baptizes them in the name of Jesus. He lays hands on them and they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let me just read it. That way it don't, maybe somebody was wondering, well, is that true or not? Acts 19, 1 through 5. And I know I'm speaking to the converted today. And it came to pass. That while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. 
and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I can just hear him. I, I just got to believe that Paul was excited. Hallelujah. I got to believe that Paul was, he just had a joy emanating from him. Hey, you're believers. Oh, you believe in Christ. Praise God, but have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I believe that's the way we got to be. Let the joy of the Lord be our strength. And let maybe the, and when they see that, they're going to say, man, I want that. They said unto him, we've not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, unto then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which is to come, that is Christ Jesus. So they did. They had a doctrine of repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's very prevalent in the world today. But when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were hungry. Wasn't no debate. They wasn't arguing. None of that. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's Ephesus disciples out there all over the world that are ready to hear this. All we got to do is tell them. All we have to do is tell them. And many of them are going to receive it. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about 12. They had enough to start a church. Hallelujah. And of course, this was the gospel planning beginning from Acts chapter 2. This is the way it had already come out. This is the way that it had been set forth. Jesus had had this in, encounter with Peter. And he said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, some say Elias and some say Isaiah and, and different ones. And he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, you're the anointed one. You're the one that Isaiah spoke about 700 years before your birth. You're the one in Isaiah 7:14 that was to be born of a virgin and would come forth and he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. That's what Peter understood. And I'm not quoting from Matthew. I'm quoting from Isaiah. 700 years before Peter understood who he was, that he was the mighty God reconciling the world unto himself. And Jesus said, and thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon this understanding, this revelation, I give unto you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And he preached it on the day of Pentecost, but he also told him, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. My God, hallelujah. I'm glad to be a part of the church that's the truth, that preaches truth and has sound doctrine. Praise God. But looking at it from a matter of secular historical documents, the Britannica Encyclopedia states in the 11th edition, volume 3, pages 365-366, the baptismal formula was in fact changed from the name of Jesus Christ to the words Father, Son, and Holy Ghost by the Catholic Church in the 2nd century. I quote that because I don't, I don't want anybody saying we said. This is a quote from a historical document. Volume 3, page 82 states, In all the oldest sources, it states baptism took place in the name of Jesus Christ. It further states that when they talk about baptism, they're, they're speaking of immersion, baptizo, immersion, in water, all the way under the water. And it was done in the name of Jesus Christ. Even the historical documents say this. 
the Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion, volume 2, page 377. Christian baptism was administered using the words in the name of Jesus. And there are many other sources not to undermine and not there's nothing greater than the word of God that we already read. I mean, it's forever settled in heaven. Hallelujah. We've got God's word. And Paul is reiterating this to the Ephesians. Don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You know the truth. Hey, I met with you in Ephesus. You know what the truth is. Don't allow somebody to come in and, and cause you to be tossed about with every wind of doctrine. And then a side note, 1st, 2nd, 3rd epistles of John. John was focused on the Ephesians as well. He was focused on them because, and I'm not going to go into it, but there was false teachers coming in. They were already creeping in. Jude talked about it. This is, hey, false teachers and false doctrine, this isn't something that just begins. It started happening as soon as the church was established. Hallelujah. But they were trying to get them to believe and deny that Jesus Christ had come in the flesh. And he said, anybody that says that is an antichrist. Because they were teaching that not only did he not come in the flesh, but that he was not the mighty God that came in the flesh. And he, further on, he said that you cannot have the Father without the Son. You've got to have, the only way you can have the Father is with the Son. Because he was the manifestation. He was the image of God. He was God manifest in the flesh. And he was nailing it down to him. There was three that bear record in heaven. Yes, there's three that bear record in heaven. The Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost. But these three are one. And the Word was Jesus Christ. We know that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Yes, He was born a son. He had to be. He had to be born in the flesh. Because from the beginning it was that way. They fell in the garden. That was the only way that we were ever going to be reconciled back. Was that He had to come. And He was conceived in Mary the Virgin by the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God. God is a Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And this is what John was reminding them about. And making it hard on the preacher and the pastor. I mean, they were coming in and then there was Diotrephes over in, in, in the third epistle. He was a believer, but he was haughty and he was arrogant. And he was a bully. And the man of God was having to deal with that. On top of everything else and the care and the administration of the churches. And I got this guy that every time I send somebody to do something, he's undermining them or he's undercutting them. Hey, it's enough, he said. Doctrine, sound doctrine. We've, we're lost without it. We're saved with it. We're lost without it. Hallelujah. we got to hold on to it. Doctrine's the key. we got to be, be rooted and grounded in the Word of God and in truth. We cannot ever allow it to be taken from us. The only way it can be taken from us is if we freely give it away. And I'm not going to give it away tonight. Not by the help of God, I'm not. Hallelujah. The Bible said in the last days there will be some that will depart from the faith. 1 Timothy 4 and 1, Now the Spirit express, speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. God have mercy. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The Benson commentary when he's talking about this 
He, there's twofold reason why they departed from the faith or why they will depart from the faith. Number one, they deny truth. And number two, they add what is false by following false teachers. They deny the only Lord God. Benson goes on, he said, it's the very essence of Christian worship to worship the one true God through the one true Jesus Christ. And to worship any other God or any other mediator is apostasy and rebellion against God and Christ. It is, as St. Paul said in Colossians 2.19, not holding the head, but dependent upon other heads, small h. It is, as St. Peter expresses it, denying the Lord that bought us and serving other lords. Denying the Lord, Jesus Christ, capital L, King of Kings, capital K, and serving small lords, little lords, idols, whatever you want to call it, false doctrines. The little foxes, that's what's going to get us. Hey, the little foxes spoil the vines. They nip a little here and they lip a little there. Oh, you don't need that. You can give that up. Oh, them people were crazy. No, they weren't. They drew a line and there was a reason for it. Hallelujah. Colossians 2.19, and, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands have a nourishment ministering and knit together increases with the increase of God. Colossians 2, 8 through 15 explains it better and more thoroughly. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. It gives a warning. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. There's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father. We've got to serve him with all our might, with all our heart, with all our strength. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We can never abandon that, church. There's, there's a doctrine of salvation that was given to us on the day of Pentecost. And we cannot ever sell that to nobody. We can't give it up. We can't let them take it from us because it's the truth. And it's where our salvation comes from. And not only is it where it comes from, but if we continue therein, that's how we'll remain saved. And it's how we'll save others. Hallelujah. In Him also are you circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. He's talking about the born-again experience. He's talking about the new birth. That when we repented of our sins and we were baptized with water in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And our sins were remitted. And the blood of Jesus washed them away. And they're in the sea of forgetfulness. Never be remembered again except by the devil or by me. I can bring them up to myself. Or somebody else can bring them up. Or the devil can bring them up. And I won't rail on him and, and bring accusation. I'll say the Lord rebuked thee because my God said, my Lord said that they were gone. He said they were cast into the sea of forgetfulness because I was buried with him in baptism. Wherein also you are risen with him through faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses. Hey, devil, this is it right here. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, 
and took it out of the way and nailed it to his, his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Hallelujah. My God, there's an empty tomb over there because of what he did for us. I'm not going to give it to nobody. I know what the Lord did to me, for me. I know what God did. I know where I come from. Colossians 1.16, talking about Jesus. It said, all things were created by him and for him. <laughs> He's God. He's the Lord. And he changes not. In Isaiah, he said, I am the first and the last. And beside me, there is no God. In Revelation, he said, I am the first and the last. He that is and was and is to come, the Almighty. Isaiah, a son will be born and you'll call his name Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. There can't be but one mighty God. Hallelujah, and his name is Jesus. Glory to God. We got the truth tonight. Several times in Paul's epistles, he warns young Timothy and his instruction to him is to remain in, in, in the doctrine. He tells him the doctrine, the doctrine, the doctrine in more than one epistle. And, and I'm, I'm focusing on the salvation doctrine tonight. This is the one we can, if we leave this one, nothing else matters. Hallelujah. If we walk away from this doctrine, then nothing else matters. All else fails if we give this up. But the doctrine is not just something that we believe. It's not just something that we teach. It's something that we live. When it becomes a lifestyle, it becomes second nature. In other words, when it becomes settled, and no amount of debate, no amount of arguing, whether it's within myself or whether it's from the outside of a flesh of another human being or whether it's one of the devils, no amount of debate, if it's settled in my mind, no, it ain't going to move me tonight. Hallelujah. Acts 20, 19 through 24. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. This is Paul. And with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews, and how I kept nothing, back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly, and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, and not knowing the things that shall befall me there, saving that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, and he still does, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me, we're going to go through things. We're going to have bonds. We're going to have afflictions. We're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. He was looking to that Roman prison. I'm going to finish with joy. I'm going to finish my course. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Temptations, trials, the lying in wait of the Jews. And there's, in our time, false doctrine, false brethren. Anytime, anywhere you go, you can run into it. He said, I preach Christ, and none of these things move me. I notice that when I don't compromise, that I win more people to the Lord. I notice that when I compromise, I don't win nobody because I become like one of them. I become like the, uh, what's it called, the ice cream deal? The, the one that's got the 32 flavors, I become like that. I'm no different. Hallelujah. But whenever I don't compromise, that's when I win people to the Lord. 
Because after a while, and some of them is 17 years, some of them five or six years, some of them three days, what is it about you? I want to know what you're doing. And then I'm going to tell you something right then, buddy. Like I told Brother Black, there's a man I was just witnessing to, just living my life around him, loving on him. And he asked, he, he got that book out, and he said, he got on Gospel of John, and he went over there and he said, hey, look at this. Let me show you something. I loved it because I remember being hungry like that. I remember that hunger. I said, God, forgive me if I ever lose that hunger because it's such for some of you, but now you lost it. He said, right here, it said, in the beginning was, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And down here it says, and the word became flesh. He said, that's Jesus, ain't it? And I said, yes, sir, it is. And I knew then, I said, he's hooked. <laughs> he's hooked. We went and ate dinner. We went and had supper together. He told me, he said, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. I said, well, let's do it. I said, let me see if I can find a church to baptize you in. Got the directory out, Brother Stevenson, and called the preacher. And he called me back. He said, yeah, we're 40 miles away. Come on, we'll get it ready. About that time, the other guy was beeping in. <laughs> so I clicked over, and he said, hey, where are you at? And I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm over here at the rig. He said, I got a trough over here ready. He said, I'm ready to be baptized. Where are you at? <laughs> Give God the glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Went over and baptized him, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost right there. Right there. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's settled. It's settled. It's unmoved. we got to believe in our heart that we have the truth. If I don't believe that, then I'm going to depart from it. If I don't believe that this is the truth, then it ain't going to be long. I'm going to walk away from it. Hallelujah. I don't want to walk away from it because I know it's the truth. I know where I come from. I know what manner of man I was. I know how I was raised. I know that I had a, a bottle of whiskey in one hand. I know, hey, but it wouldn't have mattered like I tell them at the jailhouse. It doesn't matter, guys. It don't matter if you stole a paper clip or if you just told a white lie or if you just made fun of somebody or if you murdered somebody. Hey, we've all got to be born again of the water of the Spirit. Hallelujah. We're all the same. There's a level place down here at the cross. We were all born into sin and shaping into iniquity. Hallelujah. Praise God. There ain't but one way out, and you got to repent. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on. Come on, church. But we've got to have it settled because the storms are coming. They're already here. But when they come and they rage and the wind blows, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, He said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, the flood came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, but it did not fall, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall thereof. Hey, we got to be rooted, we got to be grounded, we got to have it. We got to buy it and not sell it tonight. The old preachers would say, You got to set your face like a flint toward heaven. Yeah, and I, I said, What in the world does that mean? 
I mean, like Brother Stevenson said, all of us wasn't raised in Pentecost, and we and, and they go around saying all this stuff, and all I knew to do was just turn my face, and I was like, I don't know what he's talking about, but I'm going to try to do it, whatever it is. But flint was a very hard rock that was used in the ancient world to sharpen knives and to sharpen stones, and, and to sharp, it, it, it was something that was used to help things get sharp. My Lord, and I thought about that. We got to be sharp, church. Hey, the word of the Lord, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. We got to have it living on the inside of us. We got to have the word. The only way we're going to have the word in us is if we take this book and we eat it up. And I mean, read it. And really read it and read it and read it and read it. And let the Holy Ghost bring it to life. And then whenever I fail, and whenever they come into contact with us, they're going to feel something. Hallelujah. But I love, I got to looking in, in, in Ezekiel 3, 9, the Berean Bible. He, he talked about flint. But he said, I will make your forehead like a diamond, harder than flint. Do not be afraid of them or dismayed at their presence, even though they are a rebellious house. I'm just, I'm not trying to take this out of context. I'm just trying to use this as an example. The Common English Bible. Ezekiel 3, 9, I have made your forehead like a diamond, harder than stone. Don't be afraid of them or shrink away from them because they are a household of rebels. Hey, in other words, you gotta, your head has got to be so hard-headed in Catahoula terms that it don't matter how much people try to argue with you, how much they try to make fun of you, how much they mock you, how much they laugh at you, and it still happens a little bit, hallelujah, Praise God. No, they're not throwing tomatoes at us. They're not throwing rotten eggs at us. But why y'all got to do that? Why y'all got to do all that? Why y'all, why do y'all, why do y'all's women have to wear dresses? And why I said, well, why do why does y'all's women have to walk around naked? That's what I told that guy. I'll never forget. I'm not trying to get into that doctrine. I'm gonna leave all that to the pastor. But I had a guy, they was gonna nail me down, buddy. They wanted to, they, we just want to drink coffee, that's all. We just want to, we just want fellowship. Oh, okay. So we got in there, and boy, they got right there in my face. Why they got to wear them dresses? Why the women got to dress that way? Why they got to do all this, that, and other? I said, Lord, have mercy. Hold on a minute. And give me a second here. Let me think. <laughs> Man, they come out with four, both barrels on both of them. I'm talking about, they were slinging like a Gatling gun. <laughs> I said, well, bring it on. And anyway, about that time, and I was trying to explain to him, and I was going to Leviticus, and I was going over into the epistles, and I was talking to him about modest apparel and this, that, and the other, and, and women wearing that which pertain to men, and they can't do that. It's an abomination. And plus, just beyond all that, I said, let's just forget about all that. Let's just think about what pertains to the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and what can happen. I said, let's just put it in perspective like that. And about that time, a lady... Walked up, and I never looked. But I seen out of my peripheral, I can tell you that. And there wasn't a whole lot there. And they and both and I was still talking, Brother Black. I was still talking to him, Brother Butch. I was I done got my little Bible out and I was and I was looking, boy, <laughs> looking at them. And both of them was doing this. They was looking at her. <laughs> And about that time, she got her coffee and left, and they turned back around at me, and they was doing that. I said, yeah, it matters what they wear. But God, 
The Lord proved that point. I didn't have to. But if I had a compromise, if I would have been a compromiser, that wouldn't have happened. I mean, I didn't condemn nobody. I didn't look down on nobody. I just let the Lord speak. That's all we got to do. But we got to stand on the truth. There's no debate that can remove me from this truth. There's nothing that can remove me from it other than me. And Lord, help me to keep myself in an altar. Help me to keep submitted to that altar. Help me keep me submitted to the man of God. Help me to keep submitted one to another. Hallelujah in the fear of God. And that's the truth. John 8, 32 said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth is the only thing that can set us free tonight. Hallelujah. I can't get through all of it. I had 25 pages. I had 25 pages. Lord, I can't. But 2 Timothy 1, 12, for, this, for thee which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed what I believe. I'm not ashamed tonight. For I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. Verse 13 gives us further insight. This referencing sound teaching and sound doctrine. 13 said, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in thee. That good thing which was committed unto thee is not just the Holy Ghost. He said it was committed unto thee by the Holy Ghost. He's talking about the truth. Hallelujah. He's talking about, hey, he's talking about repenting and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. He's talking about taking the word of truth and the word of life and holding it forth because the word of God will save me and it will save you tonight. Obeying the gospel, obeying Acts 2.38 gets us saved. Continuing, the, continuing in the apostles' doctrine keeps us saved and leads us to see others saved. That's what it's all about. It's got to be settled. Reverend Richard M. Davis Kim, Kim, do you, Brother Richard? Writer of the book, Integrity Principles of Christian Ethics, said it. It's often been quoted, and he quoted it. He said, the Word of God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. We've all heard that, right? And I love it. He said the same thing. He said, this is a good saying. He said, but it could be simplified. The Word of God said it, and that settles it. Hallelujah. don't matter what nobody believes tonight, church. Psalm 119.89 said, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It's not debatable, and it's not private, and it's not hidden. Praise God. It's not hidden from the world. Researcher Nicholas Rizzo said that there's been 20 million Bibles a year sold in the United States alone since 1950. 1.6 million per month, 384,615 per week. 7 billion worldwide so far in history that's a lot it's the number one selling book every year in all of history there's no book like this book hallelujah there's no book like this book right here the bible league has distributed 840 million bibles since 1938 gideon international sends out 70 million a year to over 200 countries the un only recognizes 193 but there's many more countries out there that are not recognized, but this word is going to them. 
the United Pentecostal Church International, my Lord, in whom we fellowship with, is active in more than 228 countries. Praise God, and for that tonight, I am thankful tonight, because the Word of God, it's not hidden. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 6 said, If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. But all hope's not gone. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That diamond, hey, that diamond, it, it shines in our forehead. And they see Jesus. And my Lord, whenever we do that, whenever we shew forth the praises of our God, and we hold fast to the sound doctrine that we've been taught, that's been handed down to us, I'm telling you tonight, church, we can win them. We can win them by the thousands. We can win them worldwide. We can win them in this community. we got to start here. But we're going to have to do it by sound doctrine tonight. One more thing, and I'm just going to shut her down. But i got to go to the real heartbeat of what's behind the gospel and what's behind sound doctrine tonight. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. That's what sound doctrine's all about. John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment give I to you. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. <laughs> my God, is apostolics. Hey, they know. They know by our dress. They know by the distinctions of who, they know who we are. They know by the marks of our abstaining from certain things and the lifestyle that we live and the distinctions between the men and the women, and we celebrate all that. But the mark that I hope and pray to God that they see the most is that they love one another. I'm going to go to that church because of the love of the brethren. Hallelujah. That's what I'm going to do. That's the greatest mark of a Christian tonight is if we have love one for another, love one to another. The ancient world believed that there were certain laws. If upheld, all other laws were implicitly upheld. For the Jews, the one law was loving one's neighbor. And they called it the royal law. And Jesus didn't come to abolish all that. Hey, he came and he established it, all of it. Not one, not one jot or one tittle was taken away. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law in all things and in all manner. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah, give him a hand clap of praise tonight. Praise the Lord tonight, church. Let's stand. The devil wants to get us. He wants to shut down revival, but he can't. He wants to try to get us to, to look at things that don't matter. He wants us to start focusing on junk that, that's just garbage, and it don't matter. Hey, he's the accuser of the brethren. We've got to remember that tonight. He's a liar and the father of lies, and he's also the author of false doctrine. Tonight, not only if he can get us to start believing something about the preacher or get us to some, believing something about each other, it won't be long he'll get us to believe something about the doctrine. We've got to stand for truth. Be careful, little eyes, what you hear. Be careful, little ears, what you see.
backwards. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> I love the Lord tonight. Praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.